Welcome to this new episode of the Empowering Ability Podcast. Today, it's my pleasure to bring to you Cecily Colson. And Cecily is the Executive Director of the Washington Initiative for Supported Employment, otherwise known as WISE. She brings 25 years of experience in competitive integrated employment training and technical assistance to her position at WISE. And Cecily uses her experience to assist to assist with employment systems change and community employment capacity building. She holds a master's degree from the University of Oregon in sports psychology and an executive coaching certification from the Hudson Institute and a somatic coaching certification from the Strozzi Institute. Am I pronouncing that right, Cecily? Yes. Yeah, you did (laughs) it. Awesome. Well, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have you here. Um, Thanks for being here. Yeah, excited to talk with you. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you as well. So um, for everybody listening, Cecily um, came highly recommended as a person to um, engage with, to get to know, to chat with by friend of the podcast, Michael Kendrick. And uh, Michael, I think as we kind of chatted about earlier, Cecily rarely steers either of us wrong. So <laughs> no pressure. If, if, uh, yeah. So if, if our conversation isn't helpful for folks, we're going to blame Michael. That's basically That's... what I'm getting from this. Fair enough. <laughs> But that's not going to happen. So um, yeah, excited to chat with you. And today our focus will be mostly around the area of supporting people with developmental disabilities to gain paid employment and um, sustain that paid employment. But before we kind of dive deeper into that conversation, um, maybe it'd be helpful for, um, I guess, listeners, Cecily, just to... um, get a better sense from you on what your current focuses are um, on at, at WISE and how WISE, um, the, the work that WISE does. Yeah, great. I'm happy to do that. I would say uh, the best way to understand what WISE does is if you think about a whole community network of organizations that are all working towards employment for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, we're part of that, um, I guess, maze and Washington State, um, northwest corner of the, the U.S., and and we do some work in some other states as well, but I'd say that's our home base. And really what we're geared to do is to help organizations, um, their staff do supported employment services. We have a, a variety of trainers uh, in our organization that do training and support and technical assistance for organizations that are placing people into jobs. We also work with our government partners and help with uh, public policy work. And I'd say uh, managing the rules and trying to create the rules that are going to help more people get jobs and and keep those fresh and keep those current. We also do some fun things uh, around person-centered planning for employment where that's really the touch point where we get to work with people with disabilities and families, um, along with our organizational partners that are doing placement services. So you'll see a, a good dozen of our staff that do person-centered employment planning services and uh, do that for uh, people that are working or people that have never worked before or people that are coming out of our school systems trying to look for their first job. Yeah, great. and. I'm I'm trying to remember from a conversation that I had with Michael um just a couple of months ago, uh Michael Kendrick. I believe he told me that the 
employment rate for people with developmental disabilities is significantly higher in Washington state than potentially in other states. I don't know if you have stats in uh, off the top of your head, <laughs> but um, is is that true? Yeah, that is true. It's accurate. I think there's two things that are notable in Washington state. One is uh, nearly, it, it's over 80% of the people that are receiving uh, day services in Washington state are in an individual employment service, either working or looking for work. So it is a primary focus of the state and therefore the majority of the people that are receiving a day funded service are receiving an employment service specifically designed for their uh, employment journey. Okay. Of those, uh, any given day between 60 and 65% of um, those individuals are employed. So it's a pretty high employment rate for those that are engaging in that service in our state. That's awesome. And just for reference, how might that compare to a national average or, or other states? I think I feel most confident comparing it nationally and that the national average hovers between 20 and 25% employment. And, you know, and so, so it's more than triple. Yeah. So yeah, depending on the state, <laughs> yeah, you're probably two and a half, three times higher, right? Yeah. Um, and why, why is that? Like, what are, what are some of the reasons for it? Well, I, I think a long-term commitment to employment that's the uh, reputation of Washington State is that it's not something that started just 10 years ago. It's been over 30 years that the state's been focused on developing the capacity to place people into jobs. Uh, and so we have legislation that focuses on that. We have our public policy that focuses there. And another, I think, secret ingredient in Washington State is that there's constant ongoing funding for training for professionals in our field to do placement services. And that's WISE was founded to do that training work. And so we're also 35 years old in terms of training and capacity building work. And so those partnerships and those policies and legislation going together, all point in that direction for people to have the support they need to go to work. Right. And what was the i don't know if if you have know this or not but what was the um what what caused that change like what was the um what got the ball rolling in that direction sure uh, it was a federal initiative uh, originally so in the 1980s the united states put out um grants for the states and there were First 10 states, Washington was one that received a grant to build the program that we have operating now. And so they were special grant funds. Uh, the, the federal government at the time really saw that it was possible for people to go to work and they wanted to incentivize states to build organizations that could support that effort. And so WISE was awarded that grant through our state and then was able to use those funds to create organizations to do placement services. So it not only allowed us to help organizations start or build, but it allowed us to develop the training that was needed to support them on an ongoing basis. And Washington State just kept at that after the federal grant uh, expired after the first five years. 
And they just kept funding that effort uh, at the state level and didn't let that go. So they've they've really had a very specific commitment to employment for for a very long time. Okay, great. Um, and we're going to dive into uh, some of those. Like we're going to talk about like so. Wise focuses on kind of training the people doing the work, right? Doing the yes, supporting yes. people to get it people development disabilities, intellectual disabilities to get employment. So we're going to talk about that. Um, but at a uh, national level, do you see mm-hmm. movement being happening right now towards uh, encouraging fundings, uh, supported employment, or, or what are you seeing there? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a really awesome effort going on federally to try and point in the direction that I've just been describing. Yeah. I think what's uh, what's kind of wonderful in the States is that you have uh, the ability to customize how you go after these sorts of things, you know, based on the culture of your state. But right now it's even, I think, more important that our federal government's um, aligned with uh, the whole notion of one person, one job, one employer, and it takes a while to get the policies all to align in the different departments, but that works going on in a coordinated manner federally. We have wonderful legislation. It's called the, um, we call it WIOA, the um, Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act. And that's a little over five years right now, and five years old, I mean, right now. And so it's just starting to take hold nationwide and um, I, I'm seeing um, lots of interesting things where states are trying to get the training built and the technical assistance built to help grow their organizations. Right. Okay. That's great. It's good news that it's shifting in that direction. Um, so let's let's talk about supported employment itself and the practice of it. Um, I think from what I've seen of, of many supported employment services, and I've interfaced with a few of them helping families engage with those services in the past is, um, you know, you might have a meeting with a, uh, you know, a job coach or someone with a similar title to that. And they would sit down, try and learn a little bit more about you. And then they might suggest, well, what do you think about this type of job? What do you think about this type of job? What do you think about this type of job? And then they might be like, well, I know of these few opportunities and maybe Mm -hmm. I'll have some conversations with those, with those people. And, um, you know, and then, or they'll look at, you know, market uh, rate or, you know, jobs that might be on Indeed, for example, and show you those and, um, and maybe try and help facilitate uh, an interview, those sorts of things, maybe support you in the interview, maybe not. Um, on the off chance that you do secure um, a job, they might, they might go with you to um, help you learn that job. Um, and do the training themselves. Often I've seen that. And then they'll start to slowly step away. And then after, depending, after a couple of yeah. times of them helping you do some training or um, or it could be, you know, a couple of months, then they kind of fade off into the distance and you might never hear from them again. Um, so that's kind of the type of employment supports that that I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm sure you've seen all different sorts, but 
I'm guessing some of the training that you would provide would be different mm-hmm. from what I'm just describing. So um, feel free to add to anything that I just shared in terms of what you kind of would see maybe in more, I don't know, traditional or outdated employment supports. And what does like, what is, what does better practices look like? Yeah. Well, you didn't do too bad. I, you did pretty good on the basic recipe. <laughs> you described that. Um, I think the um, the thing that is, I think, interesting to wrap your head around when you're um, engaging with an employment organization, and if you've never done that before as a, a person seeking a job, uh, or if you have a family member supporting you to to engage in that service, uh, is is you do have to look at it like a service and not a program. So, uh, you know, in, in terms of maybe some of the things that you've been engaged with, whether it would be with school or um, other activities, uh, you might be going to something that's um, pre-programmed for you. Um, and with an individual job, it's really you're getting a complimentary service and you're getting somebody that comes in with hopefully a network of employers that they have relationships with where they've made other placements and or um, ideally that they're cultivating employer relationships all the time in their community for the opportunity they might have a candidate that matches to an employer to meet a need that they have. So a really good service agency, employment agency, will be cultivating employer relationships on an ongoing basis. Uh, So you want to look for that in your conversation with an organization too. How do you cultivate employers? Um, What are you doing to stay current with the new employers coming into your community? And how do you develop a new employer that you haven't had a relationship with before? Um, Those are are conversations you can have when you're interviewing one of these organizations. And I, I think the other thing to think about is that it's not only their relationships with the employers, but are they going to build a good relationship with you? And are they going to um, stay in touch with you? Are they providing you what you would consider good customer service? And I think you, it's always best to go in and set those expectations when you're engaging in a service. This is what our ultimate goal is. This is the kind of way we'd like to be communicated with. Uh, how frequently do we meet? What can we expect in the journey uh, from unemployed to employed? You know, I I think those those typical employment conversations that you could think if you were engaging in the service yourself, if you're interviewing on behalf of someone. Um, And I would, you know, highly recommend um, the person themselves being at the front of the interview process and being supported um, however they choose to be supported with friends, family, uh, you know, a teacher, somebody significant in their life, um, and leading the interview as best that they can so that they feel comfortable uh, with the relationship from the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. and establishing that with the employment provider. In supported employment, the notion is, is that you'll have support uh, as much as you need at the time you need it. So if you think about, um, I said you had the basic recipe, the ongoing support may not be on the job site all the time, but the ongoing support is to help you think about your career advancement, um, you know, needs as they come up. They're also there to, that support's there to help the employer 
think about advancing and meeting more of their needs as well in the relationship with you. And I think that's a piece that uh, it can, the fading from the initial training is really uh, a goal. And then it's what's the goal after that? What's the next step moving forward uh, to support you? Some people might need a lot of support in an ongoing fashion on their job uh, that's more visible to the employer. But a lot, oftentimes that's not the case and people need more support individually to think about their own growth and development and their career path progression. Yeah. So I'm, okay. I'm going to pause there for a second because that was a really long answer for you. Yeah, no, that was <laughs> great. And I've got some follow-up questions. So um, what you're suggesting, what I'm hearing you suggest, or I think you're suggesting for families is to interview that uh, supportive yeah. employment agency or, or or company. And I think for us as families, that's a bit of a change in mindset because so often we're in the mindset of, I want to get whatever support that I can. And we kind of just right. take whatever service is offered to us, even if it's a crappy service. And as a family yeah. member, I'm going to say that most of the, most of the time it is a crappy service. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, for us as families to go in with the mindset, like, no, they're not interviewing like my loved one. They're not interviewing me. Um, if you're, you know, a family member supporting your loved one there, right? you're interviewing them to see how you can help us and, and the approach that you're going to take and um, how that can be customized for, for, for my loved one. Um, sure. So I think that's a, that's an important piece because it starts to sh- in our place for families to shift that power dynamic or, or, or balance potentially. Um, and then the, I think another important piece you, you mentioned there, and um, so we have a mutual uh, acquaintance, Milton Tyree, that uh, I've uh-huh. learned quite a bit um, about for uh, unsupported employment. I think that initial phase um, he calls um, discovery. So that, I don't, do you call it something similar or something yeah, different? Exactly. The same. Okay. Yes. Right. So there's discovery kind of on, on both sides, uh, yes. both for discovery on the individual and maybe also discovery on the employer side. And you mentioned you want that job to be uh, the job that the person is doing to be of value to the employer, right? We're not just looking for yes. uh, token token no. jobs here. We're, and, and that's how you maintain your job, right? If you're providing value, Absolutely. Absolutely. Then, then you're needed. Um, yeah. Can you maybe talk a little bit more to like what that discovery process could look like both for the individual seeking employment and the uh, on the employer side, be able to talk to that a bit more? Yeah, I, th- I think that really the, the most simplistic way I could describe it is if you think about uh, it's a relationship building time and it's time where uh, depending on how certain you are about what type of work you want to do, that that will dictate a little bit about the process and discovery. Some people don't have any idea what they want to do. Uh, and some people are very clear, yet they don't have a relationship with their support provider 
uh, and it, it's time to get to know one another on the on the path to where you're headed for specific requests on a job. But more often than not, people aren't quite sure just what the possibilities are. And so, you know, it's it's both spending time together um, in t- typical environments that you are familiar with as the individual with a disability. Um, so there's observation time, there's getting familiar with, you know, how your life is organized. Uh, and then you expand from there out into community. And you kind of, at the end of the time together of exploration at, at job sites, doing job tours, uh, you know, doing some, uh, you know, exploration, uh, I would say office side also with the support organization, um, you kind of put all of these uh, experiences together that are crafted for you. And at the end of the time together, you're really looking to to identify themes of interest that you have. Um, you know, I could say if somebody was looking for uh, or trying to understand whether they wanted to do office work, um, I might set up a few places where we could go explore what that looks like see other people doing those things, maybe try some things out um, for myself to see, you know, get my hands, um, you know, engaged or my body engaged with the experience and, um, and see how it feels and debrief that and, and, you know, think about, well, that really wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be when someone told me that was that kind of work. And yeah. um, so you could plunk that story into, you know, do you want to work with boats? Do you want to be, you know, in the more industrial setting or those sorts of things? And you try those things on right. and you try them on together. So you can not only see what you think about those things or how you feel about them, but you can also start to learn um, about someone's learning style, about what they they need for um, training in terms of best ways that they would learn, best ways they would communicate, how they respond to new environments. It's it's really, a, when you say discovery, it's, it's like an exploratory time to yeah. put together some ideas on where you might go next. Right. Uh, yeah, I thank you for describing that because I think you painted a picture for us of what that um, could look like and, and also how that would be helpful. For a, for a person to get more perspective, because so often, like, especially if you've never had a job or just the idea of employment is, is new to you or new to your family, mm-hmm. um, you might not have thought about it. You might not know what that looks like. So to be able yeah. to experience it and see it with your own eyes gives you a lot more perspective. Um, and I think that's that, that spending like time there and creating those experiences is one of the things that I see being skipped. It's like, you know, we're mm-hmm. going to have an interview in an office and uh, you're going to tell me what you're interested in, or I'll give you some ideas what you could be interested in. We'll look at some job postings online. Okay. I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Right. <laughs> right? right. Right. So what you're describing, I think is uh, what better or best could, could potentially look uh-huh. like. And then, so doing that discovery and exploration piece with the, with the person, what does that look like on the, um, when searching for an employer, uh, side of side of the equation well you know that's one of the things i like the most i think is like discovery of your community (laughs) and you think about what what is going on in my community what what is what is the economic engine of the community that i live in and and really um 
high-performing organizations have their finger on the pulse. And they're constantly looking at different parts of their community to understand what business is going on there, whether it's small startups or whether they're, uh, you know, 100-year-old companies or whatever you've got in your neck of the woods, rural to urban, it's your job to know what's happening uh, in the business world in your community, for-profit, nonprofit, government, all of those different sectors. And oftentimes, you know, that piece doesn't get worked as hard as all the other pieces uh, because funding might not be sufficient for organizations to spend the kind of time they need to, to learn their communities um, or staffing or just the demands of, of the jobs that go on in the placement industry. Um, yet I, I'd like to talk about it because cultivating employers um, really um, is more than just placing people in their um, businesses. It's about uh, the way the community uh, includes people with disabilities and, and just the typical um, standards of life, employment being one of those things. But if a community understands that people with disabilities go to work, they'll understand that because you've been a part of helping that community grow and have that language, have that understanding, and ultimately have the expectation that all the citizens in their community with disabilities would go to work, you know, alongside people without disabilities. So we have a long way to go with that. Yeah. Uh, but that is a piece of the work and, and an important piece of the work. Right. Okay. Awesome. I love that. So if I'm a family listening to this, I'm like, you know, Cecily, all this sounds great. Um, sure. How would a family kind of get started? Like what would maybe some starting steps be to, you know, we talked about interviewing agencies, but like, how do I even start to think about doing that? Well, you know, whatever your connections are to to the support network in your community, uh, you've got to find out who who is doing the work, number one. And um, our governmental partners are usually our first stop for figuring out who uh, is, is available. What are my options even? Uh, all of All of the organizations will be front facing online. Um, you can compare them just by reading and see what how they present themselves. Uh, I also think that if I backed up a step, I'd say, and I've worked with families a, a long time, and I've I've done a few projects where we, and not just me, but our organization has, where what we've said is, uh, let's just start the most natural place that we can, and let's think about a mini plan for what you want to accomplish. And think about, okay, there are organizations that can help me do placement work that we're talking about here. But you also have to think about your own network and and what you would do typically to network for a job. You, you want to include that. You don't want that to be separate or different. It needs to be absolutely uh, woven into your process. And, if you, and then you need to set a goal, I think, before you engage with a formal service is to say, what does success look like mm -hmm. for us? What are we really trying to accomplish here? And I encourage families all the time to say, and that can be assisted by a support organization and even led by a support organization. Uh, and yet it's going to be our life and our experience. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that it's, um, you know, ultimately where you want to go and what you want to do. And your networks will 
you know, be very critical in, in terms of support for leads or ideas uh, and part of that discovery process. Uh, all of those things come into play like like they would for anyone. Yeah. So don't, you know, don't sell yourself short on that. You know, just keep cultivating ideas, cultivating um, your network. And a lot of jobs are found that way for everyone. And right. a support organization can follow up for you with those. Giving them leads is a really awesome thing. Right. Uh, you know, giving them an added network by coming in is is a really nice um, balance in the relationship also. Right. So, yeah, like the main way most of us find most people find jobs is through their own personal network or some sort of connection. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and uh, we and we and we have a goal. <laughs> like I want right. to get a job. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not going to stop until I do. And, right. and that's and the spirit. For sure. And I, I think the you, you made some really good points there around around that goal, because if we're not clear on what the goal is and what we want, we just say, okay, we want to get a job. Well, you know, if sometimes I've seen kind of those supportive uh, support agencies, depending on how they're funded or compensated, you know, four hours a week, uh, a job, a job that they're placing you in at, at four hours a week might yield them the same compensation from the government or whoever as a full-time job. Um, so it might be easier to get that four hour a week job. So I think as families, we need to be really, um, set that goal on, you know, maybe for where our loved ones at, you know, four hours a week, maybe that makes sense, but you know, I would encourage you to think bigger. So maybe, you know, what, maybe 15 hours a week makes sense, maybe 20 or 30 or 40. And so I think getting clear on what that could potentially look like types of jobs, all those sorts of things, um, not just the goal to be employed. Yeah. And I think that that that? leads, I would. And I think it leads uh, uh, to an important point about what the conversation is, which is um, why do you want to go to work? And uh, you know, what's, what's the ultimate benefit of you going to work? Do you know that as the job candidate and the job seeker? Um, because I mean, the person themselves being in the driver's seat is is ultimately the best case scenario, and with support. So when you have a goal and you're trying to find a job, you're going to make sure that that happens, and that's where quality starts to wrap around, and you enlist people in your experience. And I think that's um, both with paid support and unpaid supports in your life. Um, you're just adding in some some paid folks that have an expertise here. And, uh, you know, when you, you can decide to not accept a four hour a week job also because that wasn't your goal. Right. But you may have a you may <clears throat> be presented a choice where that's an option and that would be OK. You might decide that that's OK. Right. Um, but it's very different for me to look for a job for somebody that comes in and says, I, I want 20 hours a week minimum. Um, and that's what work, can work for me right now. And ultimately, I do want to work full time, and I'm not sure how that's going to look. Well, that that's a pretty clear statement in terms of what what I'm trying to do for development work uh, with you. And it doesn't mean you have to have that ahead of time. It just means that as you're exploring things, you want to get clear on that as you go. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's helpful. So we've talked about we haven't gone in a straight line here in terms of. Process, and that's on me. 
but um, so you know, setting the the employment goal, doing some yeah. research around what uh, support uh, organizations might be available, reaching mm-hmm. out to them, interviewing them, um, and then hopefully you find one where there's a, a amazing discovery process, both for um, that they have with your loved one, but also um, employers. What some what might some of those next steps be? So, um, you know, around maybe we can quickly touch on you know maybe interviewing, and then once you have a job, what would some best practices look like um, in terms of supporting that person to learn the job, learn the culture of the organization, maybe build relationships there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all those things. All of those things. All yes. those things. Yeah, and we got like <laughs> ten minutes, so yeah, no problem, sure right? Not. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I I think if you if you get anything from our conversation today, I would say, um, think about things as typically as you would, um, with what you've experienced with your own employment. If you're supporting someone, and for those of you that haven't worked before, um, you know, thinking and conversation with people around you that have worked and and what to expect when you go to work. It's building relationships. It's learning uh, the tasks that are being asked of you. Uh, and it's learning the environment um, in terms of what tools and equipment and resources you have to use to get those tasks done. And, you know, I think the thing is, is that um, understanding that every new employee comes in with an onboarding process and um, expectations that are set out of benchmarks of how you're gonna grow along the way, um, your support organization would be helping you determine that and figure out what those um, benchmarks are, how to you know, properly communicate what you need with your manager and um, you know, check in on, on those things and, and provide training and support that you might need above and beyond what the um, typical support would be when you start the job. Uh, All of those things, um, again, I think always goes back to the person uh, that's accepted the job. And if they're motivated about the job, that it's in good alignment with what they thought that they wanted to do, uh, and they have the capability to do the requirements that have been outlined or negotiated when the job starts, um, then it's just developing um, you know, the person in the, in the place and it, it, that relationship with the support organization is going to change over time because of the advancement of the person. And, and it might start over again, depending on other job duties that could get added in new job opportunities that could get added in. And it's not a stagnant situation. It's, it's a very flexible and always developing situation. So, um, I think that, uh, great employers are great employers, and um, and then you're an employee that has a great employer, and and they're going to work with you uh, if you're working for them and and meeting you know the commitment you have to them. Right. Yeah, and we could probably have a conversation around around kind of this piece for a couple of hours. Yeah, <laughs> of course, we don't have sure. time to do it today. For sure. But um, maybe just a couple of last questions here for you, Cecily, with the time that we have. So um, I think sometimes it can be perceived that a loved one needs to have a certain level of loved one with a developmental disability has to have a certain level of capability 
Um, or we might think that our loved one, their, their disability is too significant and they're not going to be able to, you know, uh, have a paid job. Um, can you give us maybe a little bit of perspective on that? Cause I know that, um, you've seen people with, uh, all sorts of disabilities, uh, gain, gain employment. Yeah. I just say, um, I, I wouldn't put up barriers, um, in the process. I just say, uh, if, um, a goal, the goal is a job, then we go on the journey. Um, and there'll be, it, it may not be that the person that's trying to place, um, your loved one into a job has all of the answers quite likely they won't. It takes a lot of people involved in the process for any of us to get a job and for any of us to be supported on a job. And that's no different for somebody with um, a developmental or intellectual disability. So remember that. And, you know, anytime you get the, um, I can't see it, or I'm uncertain, or um, I don't think this would work, all you have to do is kind of sit back and say, but what if it could? What if it could? Um, we can be wrong by thinking that um, something isn't possible, but we can't be wrong because we didn't try. Mm. So I just think you really have to keep that in mind. You may not have the vision. Uh, you might not have the answers, but always believe that somebody will. Uh, because at the end of the tunnel, I've seen that happen over and over and over again, where somebody has put the right puzzle piece into the puzzle and finished it because everyone's decided to continue to try and find that last piece of the equation, not because they stopped trying. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, if the goal is employment and the goal is a job, it will happen. You just have to stay the course. And we have a great saying in the States by a wonderful man named Mark Gold that just always said, try another way. Mm -hmm. Just try another way. Uh, it's not always a linear process. It's actually quite windy road often for, for everyone. Um, but if you, uh, we also say, if you believe it, you'll see it. Not if you see it, you'll believe it. So believe that it's going to happen and you'll see it happen. And surround, your pe surround yourself with people that will believe that it will happen. Uh, and it will. Awesome. I love that. I think that's probably a good way to, to wrap us up. Cecily, with those words of wisdom. So thank you so much for uh, being here and sharing uh, some some of these perspectives for us to think about as families and to move forward to support our loved ones to uh, to gain paid employment. And thank you for the the work that that you're doing on yeah. on all different levels, um, policy and working with organizations and, and families um, and moving the ball forward on paid employment for people with developmental disabilities. So Thank you so much. And thank you for your time here uh, chatting about this today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Awesome. awesome. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Cecily Colson from WISE based out of Washington in the United States. And hopefully there are some nuggets in there for you around supported employment, right? We give a, a great high level overview of what good or better supportive employment can look like for your loved one with a developmental disability. So I forgot to ask Cecily to share in the uh, podcast or in the video here about what 
um, how to how to reach out and how to learn more about Wise. So to do that, you can go to gowise.org. So just G-O-W-I-S-E dot org. And you can learn all about Wise there and their great work and more about Cecily and reach out to her and her team as well. So I'm Eric Gall and I coach families touched by developmental disabilities and work to equip families with knowledge and tools to cultivate an awesome ordinary life with their loved one, ensuring they're cared for and supported today, but also in the future. And if you want to support your loved one to continue to grow their independence and capability, I recommend you head over to empoweringability.org. So again, empoweringability.org to get your free PDF 12 steps to independence guide that was created and cultivated from tips and wisdom from over 1000 parents that I've had the pleasure of working with. So go over to empoweringability.org. Uh, you'll see the link there to click and download your guide. So go ahead and do that. And I'm Eric Gall. Together, let's keep taking small steps forward.